Hey, this is Michael. Welcome to the Passionately Curious by Michael Chin podcast. How does the word debater sound to you? Nerdy, intelligent, anyway. In this episode, we'll talk about the debater mindset and how it can change your life. What's more, I'll invite my friend Gwyneth to share her thoughts regarding today's topic. Gwyneth is a law student from the Chinese University of Hong Kong and she is the vice captain of her university's English debating team. Without further ado, let's get started. Hi, how are you? I'm good, how are you? I'm great. So let's get started. So uh, I want to like point out some like common stereotype that people make think uh, about debating. So like people may think that um, debating is just for smart people and only smart people can do debating. So is that true? Um, I definitely disagree with that. First of all, I think smart is subjective. Like what um, smart in terms of like people might, some people might be smart academically and some people might be street smart. So I think that in itself you need like we can't really characterize or categorize people into one category and um even so I, I'm guessing what you mean by smart is academically smart because most people think of debate as academic pursuit um and I think that debate is really about strengthening and practicing your critical thinking and your um and there are certain like skills that or certain uh, techniques that are taught in debate training sessions that we try to um, showcase in or try to use in a debate competition. So I don't think it's at all about how good you are in academics. I think someone who is perhaps not as gifted in academics can thrive in debate. I don't think there is a like there is a direct correlation. So even you are like bad academically, you can still debate. Most definitely. Okay. So the second stereotype is people may think that uh, debate equals to arguing. Is that true? Um, well, I think to, insert, uh, to a certain extent, uh, you're arguing a viewpoint in debate. Uh, maybe not really a viewpoint that you necessarily agree with because you don't really get to choose oh well most debates you don't get to choose which side you're on um i wouldn't i think arguing is more of a um like it's more of a casual term uh in debate i would say it's more of a civilized discussion and it's more like you are presenting a viewpoint and rebutting another so i suppose it is a form of arguing but in a civilized manner. So you mean that debating is uh, based on civilized manner, like uh, you need to be polite toward the uh, judges, and you need to think rationally and present your argument logically. Yeah. Is that what you mean? Yeah, and also okay. usually when you're just in day-to-day, like when you're arguing with someone, you're just trying to, uh, you're, you're, uh, you're like definitely disagreeing with them and you're trying to put forth your own your own viewpoint and trying to say why 
perhaps your argument thrives over another person's argument and debate is exactly the same but the only difference is that in debate you might have to adopt a position that you might not necessarily agree with or you might not necessarily take in real life so it puts you in a position where you yes you argue but you argue from someone else's perspective or from another perspective that you might be not familiar with so okay yeah basically you need to think from two sides like the opponent side and uh, your side yeah okay um so why would you join uh debating um i joined debating in the first place because i really wanted to improve my spoken and written um english and chinese uh i think that debate helps you learn how to articulate very well and um and uh it helps you it, it pract- like not only in a debate competition setting but in day to day life you learn to uh, think on the spot and you learn to be able to um convey effectively what you want to say so that's the main reason i joined debate oh so did you join uh public speaking before like is it because like you joined public speaking so you build a confidence and you join debating yeah i don't think everyone necessarily joins public speaking before they join debate but for me that was the case so i joined public speaking um since i was in primary school um and i only joined debate in secondary so i definitely think that um my passion and interest for public speaking led to me eventually joining debate when it was offered in secondary school yeah okay so what kind of debate formats you are in like because there are different debate formats right like uh austro's asian parliamentary yes so what kind of debate format you're in well i'm currently on the cuhk debate team and the most the debate uh, format that we most commonly practice is british parliamentary i also think that that's the most challenging format but i've also done asian parliamentary and yeah that's the two that i that we that we participate like the two forms um of debating that we participate in the most in terms of competitions and in terms of training so like british parliamentary is your favorite right it's the one that i'm the most familiar with okay so uh what is british parliamentary uh well british parliamentary is a debating style um it's different from other forms of debate because um instead of having uh two teams there's four so there's opening government closing government opening opposition and closing opposition and basically instead of having one team on on either side we have uh two teams arguing for opposition and two teams arguing for proposition so uh i think the opening houses pretty much have the same role as in um asian parliamentary or other debating competitions when you only have two teams you try to put forth um a case as holistically and as um and to the best of your ability well um the closing government um although they can, they can't knife the opening house or the opening of the the uh, the opening government or opening opposition um they uh they will try to think of vertical and horizontal extensions which is think of things to add 
things of things to add upon the case that the opening houses uh have already have already uh mentioned so what oh this is kind of this is kind of confusing like there are opening houses and closing houses right yes there are and then like the opening houses is like what is their responsibility so their responsibility is like establishing arguments uh yes it might come across as confusing so basically uh there are in total there are eight people debate eight people in a debate there's two on each team like i mentioned there's opening government close uh opening opposition closing government and closing opposition that's the order that the first speaker on each team uh speaks in and um basically the uh opening factions which is the opening government and opening opposition they will try to uh like i just i uh, like before mentioned they will try to put forth a case so their role is very similar to normal uh the roles of uh teams in debates where there's only two teams they will try to uh each put forth their case um obviously we know in normal debates the the side proposition has the burden of proof but um that aside they will try to put forth their arguments and um maybe proposition will also try to put forth a model or something and but then the the special like the unique part of um when it comes to british parliamentary is the fact that there's a closing faction so there's closing government and closing opposition so basically um each of them have a member so there's member of government and member of opposition and they try to um they try to add on to the opening factions cases respectively so the opening government will try to add vertical and horizontal extensions onto the uh opening government's case so a horizontal extension is a completely new point that was not raised by the opening house and the and a vertical extension is a substantial extension upon an argument that was already raised in um either opening government or opening opposition respectively and then the second member of each closing team is a whip so there's government whip and opposition whip and the whip is in charge of basically summarizing the entire debate they're not allowed to add any new points at that point it's more of a strategic position where they try to frame arguments frame all the arguments raised in the debate in such a case where they try to say why uh most likely they will try to say why closing house takes over opening house if they are closing if uh, if they're closing opposition and then they will try to say why closing opposition takes over opening opposition takes over means why okay. the arguments are better yeah so basic, basically, there are four houses, and there are upper houses and lower houses. Uh, for upper houses, their responsibility uh, is like uh, establishing arguments and point out like uh, rebuttals, that sort of stuff. But like for close, uh, for closing, uh, which is the lower house, their responsibility is uh, uh, try to like. Uh, make extensions and try to think new arguments to like make the debate uh more like diverse like make the arguments more diverse yes okay so i know that like british parliamentary uh is a kind of impromptu debate and like we cannot prep uh beforehand and like there there's only like 15 minutes prep time and each speaker need to speak for seven yes. minutes. So, do you think it's challenging? Uh, most definitely. I think the 
um, impromptu debates are perhaps the most challenging. I mean, at a university, like as a university debate team member, most of the debates we participate in now um, are impromptu debates. But when I first uh, came to university, it was definitely like when I came from my English debate team and Chinese debate team in secondary school was definitely a huge change and a huge jump um, to doing impromptu debates after such a short prep after with such a short preparation time okay speaking of impromptu debates like what will you do like what will debaters do before or during and after debating um do you what do you mean by before debating do you mean like before a competition i mean like do you need to have like some kind of preparation before the debate um Well, when you say, well, in terms of preparation for debate, we don't really pre- prepare for each individual debate, but we have regular trainings. So for our team, we have trainings on uh, twice a week. And each time we have, uh, we usually do two, we usually have um, a matter lecture, which is a lecture on like um, some skill or technique that you can use in debate and then, or some topic to uh, improve our general knowledge. And then we have two or three rounds of uh, practice debate among team members. So that's how we really, we don't prepare for individual tournaments, but we pre- we practice on a regular basis. Um, if you say during the competition, we just, like when the, when I think when the motion comes, we just use the 15 minutes prep time to the best of our ability. And um, having debated or having practiced for a really long time, usually you will be able to identify certain like like certain types of debate motions or whether or not a debate motion falls under a specific category. I think with practice, it becomes easier to kind of identify what type of arguments, like for example, if it's more of a principle or a practical debate. Um, and uh, so we try to use our knowledge from training sessions and we try to uh, try to overcome the, the challenges in terms of the time constraint when it comes to preparing during preparing for the debate uh, during the preparation time. And when you say after a debate, uh, we usually the most helpful thing to us is judges feedback. So we're able to know our rankings and we're able to know which argument perhaps was weaker or which argument was stronger or how we can improve it even so. Um, and usually uh, usually the really good thing about British parliamentary debates is that there's usually four or five prelim rounds. Prelim are the rounds before you enter, before you break uh, for semi-finals or for quarterfinals or whatever the debate, the, the structure of the debate is. Um, so uh, the really good thing is that you're with the same partner throughout all these rounds. So uh, even within, not like not even from competition to competition, but even from debate to debate, I think that you're able to reflect and discuss with your partner and you're able to improve uh, throughout the competition, which is why I think joining competitions um, is such a good practice for debaters. So uh, British parliamentary is like different, right? Like they have the ranking system. So in high school, we'll play debating and there's like affirmative side and negative side and we'll know the like, result immediately right like we'll know like who win who lost but in British parliamentary there are four like their ranking system which is like uh, 
which require us to have like it will require judges to have like like the understanding of which teams go first, second, and fourth. Um, can you explain more on this point? Sure. Um. So, uh, like aforementioned British parliamentary debating style, um, the format is that we have four teams. So, obviously, we can't say identify a winner or a loser because so the most uh, convenient way would be to rank them. So what happens is the judges just rank according to rank according to what they believe to be the strongest team to the weakest team. So they rank um from like they they give a team the top position and then second and then third and then fourth. So the 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 team that ranks the highest that ranks first will get three points. The team that ranks second will get two points the team that ranks third will get one point and the team that ranks fourth will get no points and basically after each debate you're ranked sometimes there's a silent round to add to i don't know the the uh the excitement for to find out which team breaks because sometimes it's just a matter of a few points or even you might tie in points but it's a matter of speaker points um but basically you you're, you're ranked after each round and the point is accumulated to see whether or not you break uh, whether or not your team has enough points to enter the next round, uh, to enter the rounds after prelim. Well, this is quite challenging, right? Like, you cannot, like, you need to be, like, you need to rank first every single time in order to break. Is that what you mean? No, no, no. Of course, you don't need to rank first every time. Um, That's the reason why points are accumulated. Um, I yeah. think that actually is quite a fair way because uh, I don't know... Uh, if most people are familiar with this, because maybe it's a Hong Kong uh, debating format, but in Hong Kong, the most, like, the 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 largest debating competition in secondary school, I would say, is Sing Tao. And for Sing Tao, there are, um, basically, you debate one round, and one team, uh, there's only two sides. Um, it's, it's very similar to Asian parliamentary debating style. So there's two sides, three team members on each side. Um, and basically, what happens is the losing team their journey just ends there and the winning team moves on. I think sometimes people can have off days or they can have debates where they're not uh, uh, presenting to their full potential and and only having one round to determine whether or not a team advances is actually quite unfair. Um, so I think that uh, the Brit- British parliamentary debating style is actually even more, it's a more forgiving format because uh, you have five rounds or sometimes four to to uh try and earn a spot and um i think it's a more accurate depiction of like your school would be a more accurate depiction of what you're capable of in comparison to the competitors of course but like uh for british british parliamentary meaning that like it is a kind of impromptu debate you cannot prep or do anything during debate and you cannot use your smartphone yeah. right so uh so meaning that you need to be familiar with different topics such as uh, gender equality and politics, right? So uh, if like, so how can you actually get familiar with different topics? Um, I think it's best if you have general knowledge, obviously, so that you, your arguments are, are framed in a realistic context and with reference to like real life cases or real life scenarios um 
I wouldn't say you'll be completely incapable of debating a motion if you have no background knowledge or next to no background knowledge whatsoever, um, because you can still think of principal arguments. And from reading the motion, and sometimes they have they provide background slides, like background information, you're able to formulate uh, formulate arguments by thinking critically, maybe not necessarily coming up with um, very comprehensive arguments, but I wouldn't say you wouldn't be able to debate at all and wouldn't be able to provide any re uh, effective rebuttals. Um, but obviously, uh, our debate team encourages people to read the news regularly, um, because I would say most debate, most debate motions are about current problems, less and less so historical, like, historical events so i don't think you need to have um great depth of general knowledge in terms of what happened in the past or in terms of like uh for example world war one world war two or whatever because those topics never really come up but um it's good to be uh alert of the news um today and um also normally our debate practices we touch on like let's say you do one or two uh debates per session and two sessions per week so on average we do like three debates per week we do touch on a lot of topics so even if you're not a person that actively reads the news I think from the number of debates that we do that we carry out during practice um it really does help with your general knowledge from discussing with your peers your teammates or from rebutting your uh the the, the people against you to um, improve in terms of that aspect, like in terms of your general knowledge. Does that answer your question? Yeah, yeah but like debating uh, definitely requires us to like uh, put more thoughts on things that's happened around mm -hmm. us, right? And then like, do you think like have you experienced like a situation where like, I know you are law students, but like uh I don't think like everyone will know everything, right? So have you like encountered a situation where you are not familiar with certain motion, like uh, like an art motion or science motion that you're not familiar with and how would how how would you deal with this kind of situation? Um, I've definitely on many occasions encountered motions that I'm less confident with. I remember there was one motion about um, like movie franchises and whether or not um, it is ethical to let franchises uh, to, like, for example, um, re uh, re reboot franchises, so, like, restart or revive a certain television series or or um, a movie franchise, um, whether or not this house is with it or, or whether or not, obviously, you want to ban it. Um, and I definitely wasn't, that's a, in, an example of a debate motion that I definitely uh, am not familiar with. The really good, the really um, beautiful thing about debate is that you're not on your own, you're in a team. So often, um, often, hopefully, if you are very unfamiliar with a debate motion, perhaps your partner is more familiar with it, or perhaps your team members are more familiar with it, and they will fill you in. Um, a really good strategy is that if you are um if you are less familiar with emotion, um, we would, tr uh, 
at least among the team members that I've worked worked with before, we're kind of familiar with which positions require perhaps more on-the-spot thinking, like maybe positions where you need to summarize cases and provide a lot of rebuttals, and that would require you to be more familiar with the with the motion and with like like you said, with you would have required for you to have better general background knowledge to be able to rebut someone on the spot. And then there are positions where you're mainly just presenting a case and presenting your arguments. Um, trying to present your arguments comprehensively as opposed to providing rebuttals so I would say another strategic thing that we often do is we put the person who's least familiar with the case in a position that is the most easy to debate or in a position where it requires the most the less on the spot thinking um yeah yeah, that's probably the most realistic solution like everything else I would say is oh you try and think if no one knows the motion which really rarely happens then you can try to uh, try to avoid avoid basing your arguments on things that require a lot of proof. So maybe think of more philosophical or more principle-based arguments. But normally, the former former scenario that I just mentioned would happen. Yeah, but like uh, debating also require you to have like some sort of problem-solving skills when you encounter like like motion that you are not familiar with. But like um, for me, I have encountered an art motion. So I'm not major in art, I major in business. So what I did is like to listen to other speeches first and try to come up with some kind of argument. Sometimes like there are generic arguments, which is not the best arguments, but at least you can say something uh, regarding the topic. Yes. I think what you mentioned is definitely um, appropriate. I think it's even better if you are not familiar with the motion and you're the closing house, like one of the closing houses or your opposition, because you don't have the burden of proof to put forth the case. You only have the you only have the responsibility to prove the uh, proposition case wrong. So in those scenarios, your method would definitely be the most effective because you can just listen to the arguments and think of loopholes in their models or loopholes in their cases. So. Yeah, that's definitely another another method to overcome not knowing the motion well. Well, speaking of that, uh, I know. Uh, speaking of debating, like I know that I know that like debate competition can be challenging as it requires us to make decision quickly. So, how would you handle pressure during tournaments? Um. For me, it gives me great comfort to know that I'm not debating alone. Like, I'm debating with a team. Um, and even though they can't help you during your speeches, I think um, the fact that you think of arguments together and you're able to cross-check your your arguments and, and you're able to, um, let's say, even if uh, someone tries someone puts forth a rebuttal to your case and you're about to go up and you really don't know how to answer, you can always pass a note and ask the pers- the people next to you what how what they think or on how you should rebut so i think for me um that already takes off a great pressure that you're not trying to face everything alone um but apart from that i think that the only thing that will give you comfort is knowing is with practice so like the more debate competitions you you uh you you participate in or the most more debate practice practices you participate in you're more familiar or you're more you're less, you're less, um, I think you will be less anxious in the face of 
uh, in face in the face of something that is as high pressure as debate because you're um, used to being at that environment. And I think gradually your confidence will come with time. Do you think the ability to handle pressure, like what you learn in debating is like the ability to handle pressure. Do you think that's actually helped uh, in the future, like like uh, when you work outside or like being a student, do you think this will actually change your life and help help you become a better person? Yeah, I think that's a very interesting point now that you say it because I never really think about it. Because when we when we think about debate, we think more of the 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 skills and techniques in terms of um, rebutting and putting forth arguments, less and less so the the more um, foundational skills that we learn, such as um, such as uh, being able to handle um, high pressure uh, scenarios. And I think definitely um, it will, it is something that we subconsciously learn through debate, um, something that we're able to practice uh, very well and very, uh, very consistently if we, uh, con- if we uh, constantly join debate competitions. And I think being able to, to not only handle yourself, but to be able to deliver uh comprehensive speeches under high pressure is um a very admirable skill um we all know that the work industry is very harsh and um and i think that debater uh and being able to deliver speeches not only within such a short period of time but under really high pressure um effective um is definitely a selling point for you when you go out into the work industry yeah yeah, but um, can you point out like any example that you think like such ability can help you to overcome some kind of hurdles and difficulties? Like, do you have some real life example that can show the audience? Um, in terms of being able to handle pressure. Yes. Um. Well, I think I've encountered high pressure scenarios more than once. Um, that's, I think, an understatement. I think we all handle uh, high pressure scenarios very regularly. Uh, I think the beauty of impromptu debates is that everything is very last minute. Um, it's not that you don't want to prepare. It's that you don't have the chance or the opportunity to prepare. So I think um, there has been a lot of, even if it, it's a really minor thing to um, to such as like oh the day of the debate um the day of the debate you um you oh sorry the day of exam you realize that there's a there's a chapter that you forgot to study or or whether it's a huge thing like um like uh you go to uh, you go to university and you need to give a presentation and and you realize your partner is sick and you have to prepare yourself you have to present yourself um i think uh in either scenario having the experience of being in a high pressure uh scenario such as debate and having to think on the spot of how to respond or think of solutions on the spot um or think of how to uh make up for a really big loophole in your argument in one speech um with the huge time constraint i think that experience would definitely um like definitely be able to be 
we'll definitely be able to harvest those experiences in terms of confronting um, day-to-day problems like the ones I just mentioned. For me, uh, I think debating uh, definitely helped me to like, like equip me to sharpen my ability to like actually handle pressure because like for for university students, a lot of time we need to uh, have job interview or we need to give presentation. And debating definitely helped me to like, to equip me to confront the intense environment that maybe like in job interview, we need to like face our superior or boss and we need to uh, introduce ourselves. If you know debating and this will, this can, uh, if you debate like more than one time or like debate many times, I think this will actually help you to like be, be more calm and try to face any difficulties that happen in your life. And this is one of the advantage, like debate advantage, I think. But like for debate, uh, so speaking of debating, I know that debaters uh, often need to give speeches and debating require us to have good communication skills. For example, we need to communicate with our teammates, judges and opponents. Uh, my question is how, how debating can help you communicate with people better? Well, I think the fact that you only have the 15 minutes preparation time and you need to come up, you need to come to a consensus with your, because you need a line in your debate. Like you, you, you can't just have, you, you're the first speaker giving one opinion and the second speaker giving like a completely different case that doesn't correlate with the the arguments of the first speaker or it might even in the worst case scenario um contradict their own speaker's arguments so you really need to come to a consensus to how to debate the motion and even though you might be on the same side like might you might be both arguing for proposition most of the times debaters will come up with different arguments um be it influenced by their religious or political background or even when it even with their different experiences in debating like there's no no one that will come up with exactly the same set of arguments um and even if it's the same set of arguments they will not necessarily come up with the same ways of arguing them or they might not think um that another person's way of arguing is more effective than their own but the 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 thing about having only 15 minutes is that you really really need to know how to compromise you need to learn um when to push for your own point when you know that you're confident if you're confident that your point is the strongest one or know when to um when to be accepting of other people's your own teammates arguments if you think that their argument is strong enough too so to save time so um i think that that is perhaps the biggest challenge in terms of communication that you will be able to find anywhere um to have a, such a short period of time to have to come up with a case that all members of the team two or three or sometimes four um uh all agree with and i think that being able to communicate so effectively under such high pressure in terms of time um will definitely uh make everything else or other communication challenges seem much easier
Well, debating requires us to like. Uh, sometimes we need to like hear others. Uh, the speeches uh, from our opponents, and we at the same time we need to communicate with our teammates, and we need to like multitasking, right? So, how would you actually uh, deal with this situation? Can you actually? Is it possible for us to multitasking? Um, I don't really believe in multitasking. I mean, unless you're talking about like, oh, I can eat while I write, then maybe. But like in terms of, let's say, being able to think of rebuttals and being able to communicate with your partner at the same time, I don't think it's possible. Especially since, um, debate is such a demanding thing. Like it's it it really requires your full and utmost con- concentration. So I think, um, it's not about multitasking much uh, that much. It's more so about being able to, uh. To organize your preparation time really, really well. That's another thing that debate, um, that debate really teaches you how to plan because fifteen minutes is already so little time. Like, how do you how do you divide the time among yourselves? Um, and how much do you dedicate to the first speaker's arguments and the second speaker arguments? How much time do you dedicate to thinking of rebuttals? How much time do you dedicate to coming up with your own case and your own model? Like, I think. It's more so that I don't think it's ever if you're multitasking. I I think that that in fact slow you down because I think the only form of multitasking you will be able to do is constantly alternate between tasks, like alternate between doing one thing and another. And I think that that takes away from your train of thought and that will actually slow you down. So I absolutely would not recommend that you multitask. And I think that with with experience, there's a certain way that we all that we all go about prepping things, which is why before every single debate competition. Because I never go with the same teammates. Well, I very rarely go with the same teammates for each debate. So what happens is before the first day of the competition, we always arrive half an hour earlier to decide what our plans are in terms of preparation time, or how, what are our strategies to minimize wasting time. But what if, what if your teammates need to talk to you during the competition, or you need to talk to your teammate during the competition, and you realize that there's like a big mistake in your speech, or like you re- you realize that uh, there's like some kind of new arguments you want to add on your speech. So you need to communicate with your teammates. And uh, what would you do in this situation? Um, although this is not an ideal situation, and I, with experienced debaters, I highly doubt that will happen because that means that the if you have a let's say maybe on a minor point. Maybe there might be differences, but if it's the major points that you're trying to put forth, I would hope that wouldn't happen because that should be settled during the preparation time. But if it does, the rule that we always go by is, um, the first whatever the first speaker says goes, because the first speaker has the least time to turn their arguments or their speech around, and they also have, um, and they've already present or even worst case they've already presented their speech that may, like you said, contain the points that disagree with the ones that I'm about to say so since they have already said it we're not going to go up and knife our own our own members or we're not going to make them like if they're unable to make them change their their entire speech a minute before they go on so the best we can do like it's more important to be a team than it is than it is to be the best debater on the court or the best debater on the on the on stage like the most important thing is that your team um is puts on a strong and a united 
front, like a like a like a like a set of arguments that flow. So, um, so whatever the first speaker says, the second and the third, or maybe just the second, will have to tune their arguments to fit with the with the first speaker's speech. Most of the time, it doesn't reach a point of like no return. Like most of the time, even if the first speaker goes on and says certain things that might not be in line with what you thought was the original debating or what was the original line that you guys were following, um, usually you will be able to manipulate it. Like you will be able to frame their arguments and be like, oh, um, we recognize that you might have misunderstood what our first speaker was trying to say. Let me frame it more carefully. Obviously, don't do that in your last speaker speech because that would be a dick move. Like, it would be very unfair if you go, oh, the entire debate, they misunderstood what we were saying and this is what we were trying to say. So all your rebuttals don't make sense. Then I'm pretty sure the judge will give you credit for doing that. But if you're able to turn over really quickly in the next speaker speech, then it should be okay. Yeah, sure. Um, So in debating, we know that we need to communicate with our teammates but how about judges? How can you communicate with judges effectively? I mean, like as a debater yourself, like you must have some kind of strategy to make sure like judges know what you're talking about because like judges can be like people from around the world, right? So how how can you manage this uh, situation? Well, um, I think communicating with teammates and communicating with judges is a completely different thing during the preparation time or maybe during the debate when you're trying to think of rebuttals you're communicating with teammates on what you think the arguments you put forth to be but the entire debate you're really not communicating with the opposite team it's actually two teams trying to convince the judges that their arguments is the strongest so i would say the entire debate competition the judge is actually your target audience so i don't think that you need to tailor anything to to individual judges according to like what you think their background is every judge comes with a different background the most important like as a if a judge is well trained or if the judge is experienced they wouldn't judge your arguments based on what their own beliefs are on the motion because everyone probably leans to one side of the motion whether or not that is your position in the debate but they're judging your 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 uh your case based on the coherency of your arguments so i think that the most effective way to communicate with judges is not to tailor particular arguments but more so to make sure that you go through each argument step by step that there's no logical fallacies or there's no hiccups in your arguments that you character like you go through each step by characterizing your arguments mechanizing your arguments providing impacts like go through it step by step don't like skip from oh this is my point and this is why we're right like make sure that you you communicate effectively because most of the time the judges argument the judges thoughts might differ from yours or the arguments they think of might might be different from yours because let's say from as a law student myself i usually when it comes to more principled debates i usually which i don't think everyone thinks of so as long as you're able to communicate effectively don't just throw around big words like really tell me what each word means not what each word means what what each argument entails and what the specific impacts are on on and on what social groups like really elaborate on your arguments so that even if a person doesn't disagree with you they can't say that your argument is flawed 
So basically, uh, just make sure your arguments is easy are 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 easy to follow and like make sure judges understand what you're talking about. Is that exactly. what you mean? Yes. But I found that like uh, you as the debater must have like a debate mindset, right? Like you, how can you? How would you actually like uh, frame your arguments to make sure judges? But no, like, do you use like signposting, like first, second, third, and that sort of uh, strategy to make your speeches or your um, arguments uh, clearer, or or you use like another method? I don't know. Well, if you're talking about the entire team, then definitely, no matter in what debating format, what be it British Parliamentary, Asian Parliamentary, World Schools, whatever, you will every single in every single debate, the first speaker will always signpost. They will outline the roles that each team member will take during the debate. So that already gives like a large brief framework of what the team is going to cover. And usually for myself, within my speech, I will say, oh, okay, let me first provide rebuttals. So the, the judge will know that I'm not throwing out my own arguments. I'm just rebutting the other team's rebuttals. And I'll go, oh, I'm going to move on to my own points. And then before you say your points, if you're... um. In a normal debate where there's two teams, or if you're opening house in British parliamentary, I think it's much easier. You just say, oh, the first point I would like to like put forth is this. And then you explain it. The second point, like make sure you're very clear on how many points you're putting forth. But as the closing house, then um, another way to signpost would be, oh, I will provide how many horizontal extensions and how many vertical extensions. So the judge really knows your contribution to the debate. Like I think in different debating styles, there's different ways to, to to um communi- communicate more effectively to the judges. But the most important thing is that you very very clearly outline, the the structure of your speech. Don't mix everything into one, like, bundle. Like, really, uh, go step by step. Even not even just within the point, but throughout your entire speech. Make it have a flow. Don't jump from like. Don't, don't jump from points to point. Yeah. Do you think this skill set uh, can help you to like uh, can help you in your real life situation, like uh, in your internship or at school? Do you think like such communication strategy can actually help you? Um. Yeah, most definitely. I think this is the point I also mentioned just now about articulating yourself. Like being able to communicate effectively and effectively, sorry, effectively and articulately, um, I think definitely helps with uh with any day-to-day conversation or any day-to-day disagreements. Because if you can't even maybe yeah. you're right, but you're not able to communicate yourself, like communicate effectively, then what's the then no one will ever know that your argument makes sense or that your argument is right because you can't even get it passed to them. Yeah, for me, uh, I think this is very useful when I communicate with people. For example, like uh, I communicate with my uh, parents. I often use these kind of skills. For example, I maybe I would, I would just make my points more logical because sometimes uh, I speak like unlogically and they may not understand what I'm trying to express. Sometimes I want to communicate with them and I would use these kind of strategy to 
、uh, make my communication be more effective,、mm-hmm. and I think it is very practical. Yeah. So, so during debating, I know that there's like debating the world and debating is very diverse, right? So there are different people from、uh, like different ethnicity or like. Uh, they have different accents, right? So how 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 would you actually like、uh, handle these kind of situation? Maybe like people speak very fast, or people like、uh, trying to make things complicated, and where you don't actually understand what they're trying to express. So how would you handle these kind of situation? Well, I don't I don't think there's much I can do if a debater of the opposing team is not making themselves clear. I don't think a debater would want to do that because, like, the I think that if I'm completely not able to understand their arguments, um, there's a good chance that the judges also don't understand them, which actually, uh, which actually takes away from their case. So I think that. Um, as a debater, it will be wise to make yourself clear. You want to win not because the other team doesn't understand you enough to rebut you, but you want to win because even if they rebut you, they can't take your arguments down. And like I said before, with the problem of the judges understa- understanding, if on the opposite side of your debate, like your opposing team are very experienced debaters, if they can't even understand you, like. And they're listening much. I'm pretty sure, like, no offense to judges. Usually, the opposing team is listening much more carefully than the judges, or they would have to because they have to rebut you.、Um, if they can't understand it by listening carefully, the good chance is that the judges can't understand you, and you won't get any credit for something that they don't understand. So I don't think that's something I... that I can handle or I can solve. But I think it's not really a prominent problem because I think everyone would, every debater want to make themselves. Clear and they want to make themselves heard. Well, I think、uh, one one of the、uh, like interesting points or interesting thing about debating is that、uh, it can train your listening skills, right? Because, like, in to be honest, in real life situation, you need to deal with different people, and they have like different mindset, or they are, they come from different、uh, countries. And you need to like adapt, and they when when they speak to you, and you you need to listen, and you need to adapt their like speaking tone or like their mindset. I think for debating, like for debater, if you if you need to like be good at debating, first of all, you need to be good at listening, not arguing, because like if the more you listen, the more you understand what they're trying to express. And you can like build up on this and try to rebut their arguments logically. Yeah, most definitely. I think, like you said, listening is very important because if you don't even listen, you can't, you can't provide a response. So, yeah, definitely, listening is a very important skill in debate. But do you like have like experience where you didn't listen to others? What others said, and you just focus on yourself. Um, not really, because as the first speaker, if you've already finished your speech, there's not really much to do apart from listening to the opposing team and help to think of rebuttals. Um, even though as like, as second or third speakers, if there is a third speaker, um, even though you're stressing about your own speech, you have to listen. Uh. 
to the opposing team. If not, you won't be able to provide any rebuttals. So I think in any position you are on the team, you would have to listen carefully. Um, there are instances where I've debated so many debates in a day that I find it very difficult to focus and sometimes I drift off and I always regret it because then I know I don't really know in the end. Like, I know what the general points are, but I don't know specifically what how they frame their argument. So it becomes very difficult to rebut. So I can only do very general rebuttals and I can't really critique like perhaps like logical problems with their arguments. How about like before debating? Before you join the debate team, uh, have you experienced like situation where you have uh, you have ignore others like points and like it's caused you big trouble? Yeah, like I mean, that. I think the failure to listen properly and carefully is a problem that is very common. I think a lot of times people in class, if they find something boring, they drift off. But I think debate makes you more alert. And sometimes, even if you're drifting off, I think actually debate equips you with the skill of being able to listen subconsciously. Like even if you're not trying to listen very hard, sometimes you still take you're still able to take in the general gist of the information. So, um, that's definitely how I've improved in term after I've joined debate. Um, and also to be able to pick up on main points when someone is speaking really fast, um, like I do, um. So, I think, yeah, yeah. For me, I yeah. For me, I think debating is very interesting because it's because people may think like debaters are arrogant. Debaters are arrogant, and they seldom listen to others. They just focus on arguing. But like the fact is, debating actually makes you become a more humble person and try to communicate. With people with uh, equality and respect, and I think like for debating, like uh, because we understand that as a debater myself, we understand that like there are a lot of people smarter than us, and we have a lot of things to learn. Because um, debating is like is is something that requires you to like keep learning and learning because you never know like what will happen next. And what you can do is to prep, like prep beforehand, which is like, uh, as you mentioned, like uh, watch news every single day, or like, or even uh, read the Economist, the magazine, things like that. I think this is why uh, having the debate mindset can actually change yes, our life. Yes, I definitely agree. Um, I think a lot of times people think that debaters might come off arrogant or might come off strong-minded. Because I think everyone is prideful, like to a certain extent, everyone is has a certain degree of pride that they want to protect or uphold. Um, no one, I don't think, would willingly want to want to let people walk all over them. And I think that um, people that debate are arrogant because we have the ability or we have the experience um, of of trying to um, of trying to protect our viewpoints, like. Sometimes people might verbally attack another person. Uh, I'm not talking about bullying. I'm talking about more in the sense of your 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 stance, like your 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 arguments or your thoughts. And some people might disagree with you, and they have the they're angry and they're frustrated about about what you've said, and they want to rebut you, and they want to uh, prove you disagree with you or prove you wrong. But they don't have the ability to do that. I think the difference with debaters is that 
we have the experience of doing that, which is why we're we always tend to stand up for what we or we I would say are more likely to stand up for what we believe in because we have the ability to articulate why we disagree with something. So I think it's not the difference of debaters being arrogant and non-debaters being not arrogant. I think it's just the frequency of debaters always standing up for what they think is wrong um, verbally because they have the ability to do so. So it seems like debaters are more strong-minded or are more um, more eager or more um, more or less willing to back off of certain things. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay, I understand. Yes, but how how debating actually changes the way you think? Yes, it definitely does. I mean, like how? In what way? Like, do you think like you have to be not like? I mean, like debating, like require us to think on both sides and do like preemption, that kind of stuff. Do you think like debating will make you be like a more thoughtful yes. person? I think debating makes you much more understanding in many ways. In cause, like as a debater, we're always subconsciously picking on ourselves because when we when we after a debate, we always say, "How could I have presented that better?" But the judges' critiques when they say, "I didn't understand this point," "I didn't understand that mechanism," you're always like, "Okay, I need to." like improve in terms of framing ourselves so when it comes to conveying something we i think that debate makes you more reflective of what you're saying because you're like okay did i say that or did i present that in a way that is the most easy to understand but i think even more than that debate like i said before often puts you in a position where you have to argue something that you might not necessarily you might wait where you might have to argue a viewpoint that might that might not necessarily be your viewpoint in real life or you have to argue against people with a different cultural, political, or religious background. And in doing so, you need to be very careful of how you rebut. Or even when you present your own arguments, you need to think of whether or not your vision or your arguments are clouded by your own religious, political, or cultural beliefs. So I think that, whether, be it um, in regards to the coherency of your argument, or be it in regards to the whether or not an argument is objective, as opposed to... Um, as opposed to uh, being, uh, as opposed to an, an argument that is um, influenced or, or clouded by um, other beliefs that make it less relatable to the general public, I think debate makes you more critical of what you're saying and thus more understanding of what other people are saying. Well, aside from that, I think debating definitely make you like become a a better leader because in debating you need to manage your teammates, uh, need to like deal with the judges, your opponents, and sometimes we uh, debating requires like certain leadership uh, skill set where you need to like uh, try to become a leader to think, to like challenge the status quo and try to lead the team. Uh, to like uh, the goal that you want to be, right? Yeah. I mean, like, um, so have so back in high school, I think, like in debating team, you you also need to like manage like the teammates thing. Do you have like similar experience? Like, have you been like the coaches of like uh debating team or like the captain of like debating team um, 
yes, I was the captain of the debating team at Lee Po Chun United World College, so um, a school in Hong Kong. And then currently, I'm the vice captain at the Chinese University of Hong Kong debating team. Um, I have not, I mean, I've gotten the position at CUHK, but we haven't really had training sessions because they start next year. But um, I definitely have had experience, <clears throat> I would say approximately a bit more than a year of training debaters in my previous school. <clears throat> Sorry, um, of training debaters in my previous school. Um, and I think we use a relatively similar format to what we use, what I, I described in in uh, just now in terms of what we do in CUHK uh, debate practices. So um, we just go through matter lectures, we pick motions and we, we we try to pick them apart together as a team. Uh, we do on the spot impromptu speeches. We do uh, a lot of practice debates. Uh, I think the difference is that in secondary school, there were still some like non-impromptu debates. For example, world schools, there's five rounds and some of the rounds are like full prep. Some of the rounds are half prep. Like you can, for example, some of the rounds, you know the motion, but you don't know your side. Some of the rounds, you know your side and your motion. Some of the, some of the rounds are completely impromptu. So it's less stressful than having all of them being impromptu. And Sing Tao, of course, is completely prepped. So um, I think when it comes to secondary school, the difference is that we have different styles. And some, in fact, some debates we prepare more for, because if it's prep, the standard is higher. They would expect you to have a like a lot of background knowledge um but that's where the prep kind of differs but all in all i would say it's just practice makes perfect we 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 drill debates like every session so it seems like debating also train your leadership like how you manage your teammates and like deal with different situations um i wouldn't say that's necessarily true for everyone who debates i think i've chosen on leadership roles and debating teams because I'm personally very passionate about debate um I think even at university it's very relevant to my degree and um I think um uh I think it also gives me a good opportunity to practice skills that I wouldn't be able to practice let's say in a classroom setting like being a leader or being able to lead a group of people so that's why I've chosen to take on a more leadership role. But you could still be a debater and not take on any leadership positions, but purely attend debate sessions, debating training and like go off. And you could still be a very, uh, a contributing member of the team. So, but yeah, personally, I've taken on a more leadership role in the teams that I've been on. Yeah, but like for British parliamentary, very interesting. I know that like uh, sometimes like, uh, for training, uh, sometimes uh, the captain will require us to like judge the debate, not just uh, being a debater, but become a uh, debate judge. I found it very interesting. So do you think like this is uh, useful or do you find it interesting? Yes. Um, so I think that judging a debate makes you stand at a different viewpoint. Uh, you're really, really like if you listen very carefully, which I hope that all judges do, um, you would. Uh, I think that being a judge actually really helps to improve the. Even though you're not debating yourself, being a judge helps you improve your debating ability, 
uh, quite a bit because you're standing on an, at an objective view. You're not having to put on a particular mindset and debate from one perspective, but you're able to look at both arguments and see where they, the, te- the arguments of both teams and see where, where they intersect or where they, um, or where particular drawbacks of their arguments are. And in doing so, I think you're more understanding in future debates of how to put across an argument effectively or to, to better critically reflect um, from the perspective of a judge whether or not your arguments make sense. But of course, I think a huge thing that everyone has to remember is that even when you become the captain or the vice captain or the training officer of a team, never stop debating because being a judge is not enough. I think a lot of times because of shortage of manpower or or for whatever reason, people, when they get to a leadership position, some people just tend to stray away from debating and only judge. I think that takes away from your debating ability as well. But I think being a judge, having the experience of being a judge and being a debater will give you a fuller picture, a more holistic picture of how to debate well. Well, I think like that is definitely true. But like uh, in Hong Kong, do you think like Britain, the development of British parliamentary is like uh, is adequate because like I uh, as I uh, uh, because like for schools that are not that prestige like for local schools such as like schools that are not international school or not Ben one school like for Ben two or Ben three school maybe in Hong Kong they may not have like uh, like a debate team or like they may not know anything about British parliamentary do you think like they are capable to like handle British parliamentary even if like they don't have like a really excellent uh, English speaking ability um I think the really good thing about British parliamentary is that you can sign up not as an institution but as like a private team like an individual team I don't know because I've never done it but I know that it is possible um I'm very fortunate that all the schools that I've been to have had and that's not true actually that um my Singapore international school which is the school I went from went to from sec one to sec four didn't have an English debate team I started English debate in form five so uh because my secondary school my Singapore international secondary school only had a Chinese debating team so I was not, I didn't have the opportunity to to participate in English debate competitions early on. So I would say I understand where you're coming from. Like, I, de- I think I definitely prefer English debate to Chinese debate. Um, and I definitely didn't have the, ex- the, the opportunity to be exposed to it. There's also very little, like, extracurricular uh, centers or, like, uh, institutions outside of school that provide debate training. And even if they do, I know it's at a very high cost. So, um... I think that I definitely agree that debating is very um, effective um, in terms of training a person um, on different, like, in different, in multiple ways. And I would hope that the debating culture in Hong Kong strengthens and that more people, even like you said, in band two, band three schools are given the opportunity to debate. Well, I think the main problem is like, um, for example, in my school, like in my high school period, like uh, I also come, I also came across like British parliamentary thing, and but like we usually do like the HKSSDC debate, which is the Hong Kong Secondary School 
debating competition, which like it's not an impromptu debate. Like there's like uh like a week for you to prep. But I think like for high school students, I think they are also capable to handle British parliamentary, uh, regardless of like what they what they are from like. Uh, regardless of like how poor or how like how poor their English speaking ability are, I think they also have the right to join the British parliamentary. But like the teacher there may not like encourage them to join just because of their um, academic performance. I think this is like totally wrong, and I think we should actually promote British parliamentary in Hong Kong. I definitely agree. I think that your academic standard should not be a barrier to you joining debate. I think debate is a completely different pursuit, and um, it saddens me that a lot of people are deprived of the opportunity to debate um, just because they might be weaker in terms of their academics. And one thing that's holding us back is like. Like most debating competition, uh, especially uh, British parliamentary, require you to like pay the registration fee, and those fee usually are like quite expensive, and people may not be able to afford it. Yes. <clears throat> yeah. Well, being at and... a university level, there's subsidy. So often, if you're able to get yourself on a team, then um, this could be a. Pro- possible solution to you to the financial difficulties that it might cause you to join a debate competition if uh, you are facing such financial difficulties but you're absolutely correct as a, if you're not on a team and or you're not able to get on a team and you want to participate in a competition then the financial barrier is something that I think that should be should be should should not be there I think that people should not be deprived of the opportunity to debate just because they can't pay the registration fee yeah, you're right. So basically, we have come to the end of our interview, and like, uh, I just want to point out that um, what we're trying to say today is like, uh, what is the debate mindset? Like, the debate mindset is basically like uh, being a person that's know how to uh, deal with different problem. Uh, being a person that know how to embrace changes, regardless like what's your uh, what's you're facing, and also be a good listener that can like embrace different uh, opinion and just be patient and respond and response with uh, equality and respect. Yeah, definitely. That's up what we said in a nutshell. All right. Thank you for your, uh, thank you for coming. You're most welcome. And I wish you good luck in everything. Thank you, you too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hey guys, thank you for listening. If you have any question, please feel free to email me at passionatelycurious.michael at gmail.com. I wish you guys all the best. Stay healthy, stay safe. This is your host, Michael Chim, and I'm passionately curious.